I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right, this is The Big Douglas Show featuring the rapper Big Pooh. And our guest today from The Ringer is Van Latham. Van, we appreciate you coming on today. What up? How y'all doing? Good. Large. Before we before we get into it, Pooh, I want to ask you real quick. Early two things. Early this morning, you know, Washington football team signed Fitzpatrick. Two, one, I'm curious at 5:30 in the morning, were you up to see that happen in real time? And of two, course. what are your thoughts? Who is the uh the latest late night uh <laughs> night owl I've ever met? And I'm one of them, but who got okay. me big time? What's your thoughts on that move, real quick, Pooh? Uh it was expected. Um they missed out on Stafford. They missed out. They couldn't trade for Mariota. Donald probably not on the block at this point. They adding receivers like, you know, they added Corey Davis. So it was to be expected. One year stop gap. I'm not mad at it. You know, he going to come out, throw the rock around the field. I'm, I was seeing players, uh, Chad Johnson and or Ocho Cinco and other players already talking about Terry McLaurin going to have a 1,500-yard season <laughs> with Fitz Magic yeah. out there. So, you know, they sign another guy, um, you know, another tight end, another receiver, whether through the draft or whatever. I think they're going to be good to go with uh, Fitzmagic. That's what I'll call it from now on. That's Fitzmagic. They paid him $10 million. So that's not a competition. Nah, 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 nah. He's the guy. Uh, Tyler Henneke is making $1 million and uh, Kyle Allen is the – exclusive rights free agent whatever he is for like less than a million so he's definitely the guy he's the guy van i had noticed something y'all did on your show maybe a week or two ago where you asked the question uh if aliens came and you had to play on one song to save it all right so i couldn't come up with one i, I made a five song play set here okay let's do it all right i got uh i got stan getz Desafinado, jazz great. Uh, Dave Matthews Band, Crush. Jimi Hendrix, Castles Made of Sand. Eric B. and Rakim, Don't Sweat the Technique. And and Outcast, Players Ball, the remix. I prefer the remix to the original on the Players Ball. I had thought about maybe Ice Cubes Today was a good day remix off the B-sides and bootlegs, but that's my five right there. I don't know. It's good. Here's the thing. What you don't understand is that outcasts are going to be the aliens. <laughs> See, they they are coming back, you know, so they don't want to, you're not going to be able to, Andre, we all know Andre is not of this planet, and, you know, um, and so they're, they're going to be coming back. So playing them something from their catalog is actually probably a good move for intergalactic sort of harmony. I realized Andre was an alien after I listened to the uh, A Day in the Life of Andre Benjamin, right? A song with no hook. I love that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nah, yeah. That's, a, that's a special special record right there. That's funny. Uh, it is. I don't know what five I would pick. That's tough. That's tough. That was a tough-ass question. What was the, what was the, did y'all see what was the most uh, used answer? No, it, it, it wasn't. There was it wasn't one song that was most used. There was one artist that was most used though. And it was Stevie Wonder. 
Stevie Wonder was the most used artist. There wasn't one Stevie Wonder song that was the that was that the song, but everybody would come with something. Uh, Stevie Wonder, and normally, you know, the early days of Stevie, they 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 came in. But uh, look, it <clears throat> to me like music is such an is such an important deal. I I actually remember when I got put on Little Brother. Like I remember, yeah, yeah I remember when I got put on. Um, like so it happened on actually a porn message board was it big was it bb uh was it bbol uh was it bro black girl black bg hey bgol hey one of us hey i know that's what used to go go get all the albums early over there you get all the albums over there bgol like they would be mad that we saying it but uh and they came through and it was like they it's crazy. People don't even know. I got put on so much music from that message board. I got put on ASAP Rocky. I got put on Little Brother. Because remember, I'm in Louisiana at the time, and it's the internet, and it wasn't... Sometimes the, our region was so heavy that sometimes we weren't listening to other things that you might have to crate dig a little bit to find. And I remember I got on it, and it was crazy. It like it, it, I related to that rap more than I had related to to really anything else that I was listening to. Because it's funny, it, all of these rap songs are insulting to dudes like me, right? Like, yo, if you ain't a soldier, you ain't shit. I'd be like, well, <laughs> damn, I ain't a soldier. So, like, you know what I'm saying? You ain't a thug. You ain't you ain't nothing. I'm like, god damn. Well, I'm not a thug or a soldier. But when I heard music that re- that it was it was a different era of rap to me. And so the reason why I said all that is because you asked that question. I want to know what what song people would use to save the world with. If you had to, you know, because we all talk about what we love. We all advocates for our music. We're all champions for our, for the sounds that we love. Like, if that's the case, like, what what song would you use to save the world with? And for me, it's Stevie Wonder. I believe that's the song that like calms me down makes me don't want no problems. It makes me believe in the human experience. So like, you know, it's good to see a lot of people pick Stevie, man. My wife and I, my wife and I danced a ribbon in the sky. So Stevie's always good for me. There, see, there you go. <laughs> a wedding song. My wife and I danced to Joy by Blackstreet. <laughs> okay. And That's, it was uh, a twofer. Okay. And, and take off the blues by the foreign exchange. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, me and my fiance danced to Throat Baby. So, so, <laughs> so, throw, so baby. Throw, throw baby, throw baby, bro. Can, 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 can we just take a moment for it? Boom, seriously, seriously. I want you to think about what you did for the what you did for the kids, bro. Think about it, man. Everybody that came to hip hop before, just think about all the doors that were broken down, right? Think all the doors that hip hop. They are so free right now. These kids are are it's it's artistic freedom like we've never seen before. They're so free. This man made a song called Throat Baby. And he got him a hit. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> I, I just we we're just in a time. I mean as as I'm I'm 41 years old, right? right? And so when I was coming up, you didn't have as much um you didn't have as much available to you. You know, the TV still went off when I was a kid. Right. It, right. It, it still went off at a certain right. time. And then it was it was things were still censored to a point. Right. 
So you didn't have this freewheeling cussing and all that on, on regular TV. Definitely not on the radio. You had to make clean edits. Like now they just blank out stuff, right? They'll just right. leave a gap there. Like you had to go in and re-record vocals to make clean edits, you know, back when I was coming up. So I've just seen that over time dissipate where now it's it's the wild west man it's like what censorship <laughs> you know what i mean like it, it's it's some magic words you can't say you know dealing with um you know race i'm not gonna get into it but other than like for the most part it's whatever it's anything goes and it's amazing to see that transformation like how it happened over time but i mean i it's just like I was brought up in the era where you didn't cuss in front of your parents. To this day, I still don't cuss in front of my parents. You know what I mean? Like my mom has probably seen me take a drink maybe three times in my life. Right. Right. So it's I, I that's the era I grew up in, right? But I understand now these this is something totally different for these kids now. And they're running with all their, you know, perceived freedoms and they they're running to the bank with it too. It's they it's are. amazing. It's amazing. They definitely are. So I think I heard a song y'all did the other day popped up. Did y'all use like the turn down the lights sample, which made me get to thinking, is it is it harder to do a song like that or a, or a song, you know, where you're blasting on somebody? <laughs> well, that was actually a, a unofficial remix for a tweet. Um, oh, OK. Knife, Knife had did. Um, Shout yeah, out Knife Wonder. He remixed the joint and um and I jumped on it. Uh, it, it was never official. Nothing. We was on Atlantic at the same time when that happened. Nothing ever came of it. But so that's what that was. Nah, I, I think I I don't know how it got out, but um, it was definitely an unofficial remix. And it wasn't it's not difficult. I'm a writer. You know, what I mean, like it's it's whatever zone I'm in. So if it's if we talking to the ladies, I get into that zone. If we you know, if we got a ride on somebody like Pac, I get into that zone. <laughs> it doesn't it's just. You know, you just go where you need to go. It's like acting. You just you just go where you need to go to 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 drum that emotion up. So it's it's pretty easy. Well, can I ask you a question? Sure. I, I, I like I always like to talk to to MCs because y'all like y'all own little cult. You know, like that y'all like remember that show Highlander? Yes. That's what rappers are like. Rappers are basically like the Highlander. First, remember the Highlander can feel when there's another Highlander around. Right? Definitely. And, and they get this little feeling, and, you know, and then Highlanders are always trying to cut each other's heads off so they can steal each other's powers. Definitely. And it's a, it's a small group of Highlanders with little rules. And so from the outside looking in, like, we're just like the people that like watching the Highlanders fight, but we're not really a part of it. I don't want to, you know, you guys, like, people go, people say stuff like, I would die for hip hop. And I'd be like, really? <laughs> like, he'll die? Like, you dead for hip hop. And they mean it. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. If someone said right now, man, you either choose no more hip hop or your life. I'd be like, huh? I'll listen to Pearl Jam. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like, <laughs> so, uh, but, but this thing, I, I watched this video of Saha the Prince mm -hmm. where he was talking about, I actually posted it on my ground where he was talking about uh, rappers not writing. He said that uh, guys like Jay-Z and Kanye, in order to, not Jay-Z, not Jay-Z, guys like Kanye and Drake, in order to compete with people like Adele and all of those people like that that are in these album of the year tiers of musicians, that they need 
a bunch of people and all of these other people to help them because they're representing the entire culture up against those people at the top of music. So he was basically saying the reason why he 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 doesn't feel like there's anything, it's a diss that he writes for guys like Travis Scott or he writes for guys like Kanye. It's because those guys, their music is so big, it needs help. Um, wh what are you, as a rapper, a rapper's rapper, what are your thoughts on that? Now, I don't have no problems with it. I'm... You know, I understand what they're trying, what they're playing for, right? Right. As, as you just stated, they're playing for stakes way bigger than what we ever could imagine when we first started rapping. Right. And I, I'm just a believer in songs. And throughout my okay. life and understanding, I've known that if you might can write a verse, but you can't write a hook to save your life. So you right. need some assistance to get the best song possible. And I'm about getting the best song possible. Now, if somebody, you know, that's not to say that Drake can't write a mean 16. I I mean, I don't know if Ye can write one or not, but that's not to say they can't. You know what I'm saying? It's just they don't because they go in these other worlds and these other lanes and they need people who do that other stuff or they need them ideas. They pumping out so much music. They need them other ideas, them fresh ideas, because you can burn out. It's easy to burn out. And, you know, at the end of the day, if the song jamming, I don't care if it was 10 people or one person. Um, I mean, that's something they got to take up when it's time to do their album splits. But for me as a listener, I don't I don't care how many people was involved with it. Um, if somebody else is getting stuff written, can you put them on your hip hop Mount Rushmore? Can you still do you have a hip hop Mount Rushmore on all that stuff? I do. Uh I do. And I mean, one of the people on my hip hop, Mount Rushmore, uh, has somebody doing some writing for him. So um, that Ice Cube, like they'll help, you know, wrote some of his stuff on, I think his first two albums, I believe it was. Uh, Dale the really? Sapien. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that doesn't take away from all the work Ice Cube did before then. He wrote everything on the NWA album. Of course. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's just like, his pen is still his pen. All right. You know, whether he was receiving help or not. And oh, dog, dog agree with me. Uh-huh. Ice Cube lit him up. Stop it. It lit him up. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean I gotta route Mount Rushmore and I, I really don't. I mean, it's whatever. Th these are these are artists that touch my soul, right? Right. So how they got there. Is how they got there. Um, I mean, because you got you got artists that uh, writing songs and writing and being able to rap are two different things. They're two different skill sets. You can rap your ass off. You can rap circles around anybody, but that don't mean you can write a song at all. And I look at those two different skill sets totally separate. Now, if you're saying I'm the best rapper in the world, you better put that pen to the paper. But if you're talking about being a great, like if you like I make the best songs in the world, I judge that totally different. I don't right. I don't look at that the same way. So interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I get it. I get it. I get it. How did you guys meet? Me and Doug? Yeah. Oh, this is the me and Doug, Doug interviewed me twice. He he uh he hit me up anytime somebody hit me talking about sports. I'm I'm all in. Um any chance I get to get away from music 
for a little while. Sports is like escapism for me. I actually know sports better than I know music. And uh Okay. Yeah, and I so he interviewed me twice and we had a nice little chemistry going and he was like, Yo man, you wanna interview some people with me? And I was like, Cool. And it started. We just started grabbing people and Doug do all the hard work. I just jump on here and, and talk. <laughs> I, I wouldn't call to work hard. He chased people down, you know what I'm saying? I just I was like, hey man, use the name, do whatever you need to do, and you know, we'll jump on here and and, and get to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with that. Now that's man, that's an 80, that's an 80 pound of Hank barking. Van, you got a, a a big ass dog at your house too, don't you? Yeah, Bozeman. He's a burn doodle. He what, uh what kind of dog is it? He's a burner doodle. So this is a this is an important milestone in my life because I used to be like a like a man, right? For many years, I was a man. I was a hard man. I was a rough man. I was a southern man. I was masculine. For many years, I was masculine. I was, you know, uh, I had what they call a, a, a penis is what I had. For many years, I had one. Then I moved out to LA and no, like I, 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 uh, I am now, it's really, there's no such thing as this, but I'm now what my dad would call not that because I got a burner do and it's a fluffy, the dogs that I have, the, the dogs that come, uh, and I was a, you know, shouldn't confine people to gender roles at all, but the dog that I had, that we had back in Louisiana, they were more akin to Cujo, right? Like I had a dog, his name was Apache. That was the dog's name. Wow. You know, like the, the dog's name was Apache. Shout out to my uh, to my indigenous people out there. But you would walk into the, you would walk into, sometimes Apache would attack me. That's how crazy the dog was. I would walk in the backyard. I'd be like, yo, I raised you from when you were a puppy. Okay. This dog is a beautiful, cute dog that if you raise your voice slightly, he runs to the back of the house. Like, it's like, he has, like, I take Lexapro, right? He has a worse anxiety condition than I do. It's like, you know, you drop a water bottle. He's like, whoa. You know what I mean? Wow. It's like, it's so, but the dog isn't there for protection. The dog is there for me to have something to love. You know what I mean? Which is, it's, it's just, it's totally different. Like, everything is totally different out here. And what's I, that a mixture of, man? It's a mixture of a poodle. And a Bernese mountain, a Bernie, a Bernie, a Bernese mountain dog, and he is the sweetest animal ever. Like me and my fiance get into arguments because, like you know, I go in there to get something out of the pantry, the little cupboard, and he knows that I'm going in there, and so he follows. And I look at the dog, and I'm like, "Yo, what you want?" And he's like, "He's like." Y'all, fam, I was like, what you got up there? You got some Pringles or something like that? I'm like, oh, I got some. And she comes in and I'm feeding the dog Pringles. And she's like, you can't do that. And I'm like, look at his face. Like, how, how can I, I can't, I, I, well, like, look at the face of the dog. Like, look at his face. He's, 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 he's adorable. So, um, but I will say this, it was just very important to have something else to concentrate on other than my depression and my anxiety during this entire time. So we got the dog in December and, uh, Look, man, for everybody out there that's going through this, man, this has been rough. This fucking has sucked. Like, 
Absolutely. And, and dog sales, I don't I, I would take a guess what the number is, but I know that I saw, I mean, the number has skyrocketed yeah. uh, over the last year for people that have bought dogs for that exact reason. I mean, you know something there for sure. Dog sales and bike sales. Bike have, sales. Have yeah. I've I bought me a bike in March. Did you last year? I bought me a mountain bike. Realized after about four months with everybody zooming past me outside that I needed a hybrid or a street bike. But um, I had a bike or I have a bike and I went in to go buy my wife a bike and there was no more bikes left. (laughs) Bikes were gone. (laughs) Like they were gone out of here. But I last year I had never seen so many people outside like doing outside things like picnics. Right. walking riding bikes like doing those things and it was just it was amazing to see it reminded me of the of the 90s again for a little while it's so crazy because I, I walk i live like over here near beverly hills and i walk through the neighborhood and you never used to see kids outside that's how you know that the world's coming to an end is kids outside playing again kids don't do that no kids even the kids got tired of Fortnite. that's how right. you know it's crazy the kids was like yo can i go outside and run around and play some hopscotch Anything, anything, anything to get me out of this house. Anything. And I tell you what, at first, I would walk through neighborhoods and I see I see neighbors like really doing inventive stuff, like having like uh, outside concerts. You know, I see there would be a guy out there. He'd be strumming his guitar and they'd all be sitting around in their various front yards and stuff like that. Having the outside. They don't do that shit no more. You know why? They sick of that. They don't want to. We don't want to try anymore. They want to know what they want to do. They want to go back to the Wilton for a concert. Is what they want to do. They, you can't. We can't trick ourselves no more. <laughs> we, we, we tricked ourselves for a long time to think oh, yeah. that being in the house and baking bread was fun. That's not fun. You know, it's fun. Pick up basketball is fun. That's fun. <laughs> All right. We we tricked ourselves for a long time to make it seem like Tiger King was amazing. That's not amazing. You know, it's amazing. Going to the movies. That's amazing. That's amazing. That that's amazing. So now it and things are going good. So now everybody's just waiting to the point to where we could turn the page on this. And I hope it comes sooner rather than later, man. Definitely. Man, I have this conversation with my buddy Andy Burroughs all the time. Is uh is Batman a superhero or just a wealthy man with a tool belt? So here's the deal. Wow, I love this question. You really did your, your homework on me. Uh, yes, Batman is a superhero. Okay, a super, a super. No, he's a he is a, a a superhero. He's not a superhuman. Okay, see, a superhero doesn't. I think people are getting the terms confused. Superhero is someone who does superhero things. There's a hero. We all have heroes, and then there's a superhero. Superhero is based on stakes. Okay. So let's say you save your household. You're a hero. Saved everybody in your household. Let's say you save your block. Now you're a dope hero. Let's say you save all of Gotham City or maybe even all of America or maybe even the entire world. Well, now you're a superhero. Now you're a superhero because in order to to save that against somebody, you're saving that against, uh, you're going up against a super villain. So is Batman a superhero? By every sense of the word, yes, Batman uh, has adventures here. Oh, well, here. Uh, he has adventures in Gotham City. He has adventures in America. He has adventures in the world. He has adventures in space. It's part of Justice League. 
All right, so he's definitely a superhero. He's not superhuman, and which is why he's consistently the best written character because it's like big monster come to Superman, Superman punch monster, the end. That that you, you know what I mean? Superman punch monster, or somebody goes, oh, we gotta go get some kryptonite, figure out how to get the kryptonite. Can't get the kryptonite, can't be Superman. Now the Superman has all kinds of different amazing stories, but it's different. Batman though. If you catch him from behind, you'll put something on his ass. You know what I mean? Bruce Wayne without the suit? You just walk him and golf him in his mouth? Like, like you like you can get to him. So there's a, there's a lot more stuff that you have to write with Batman, which is why he's a more interesting hero than somebody that has all kinds of freaky OP superpowers. Batman like, is just MacGyver with a budget. <laughs> he's precisely. A budget. A precisely. Budget. <laughs> precisely. But here's the thing. Let's not underestimate what MacGyver could do with the budget, right? No, no, that's why he's MacGyver with a that's what he is. A and budget. So, and so, and really, Iron Man is too, right? Definitely. Special suit, the, 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 the whole deal. Now it does get kind of crazy because it's like you know, and I love comic books. I own over four thousand comics, like but characters like Hawkeye and Black Widow, there's just a point where they're gonna get their ass whooped. Cause like you know what I mean, it's just a point. They make great use of them in the MCU, and they have even in Avengers books. No matter which one of the Avengers you use, Hawkeye is a very useful character. Black Widow is not an Avenger until a little bit later on, but well, she's been for a while now. But you know, that's like come on, man. Like you when the when fucking Galactus is coming to Earth, and he's getting ready to try to consume the whole Earth. You think he's thinking, damn, we gotta keep Hawkeye busy? No, it's not like <laughs> so you know. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> man, man, talk about your uh your recent nomination. Oh, oh, yes, Two Distant Strangers is the name of the movie. It stars Zaria. Uh, it stars Joey Badass, Zaria, Andrew Howard. It is uh, written and directed by Trayvon Free and Martin Desmond Rowe. Uh, it is produced by me, Trayvon Free, and Nick May's production company, Six Feet Over Productions, um, and Dirty Robber, now this. Uh, yeah, it's a movie that we decided we had to make last year uh, when it really seemed like we talked about, we talked very sort of tongue-in-cheek about the world ending, but there was a point last year where it just felt like society was broken and that it wasn't going to be able to heal itself and fix itself. I don't know that we're exactly out of that moment, but I do think that we've forgotten it. And that was when we were all inside. And not only were we stuck inside dealing with, you know, the terrible realization of not being able to connect with people, we were stuck inside watching a man uh, have his life drained from him by a police force up there in Minnesota. So we made a movie that addresses the sort of Groundhog's Day feeling that, you know, the loop we can be in, the trauma loop we can be in as as Black Americans, really just as Americans that see these things continuously happen. And we made it. We brought on Sean Cone, shout out Puff, as a producer. I, I left out one of our producers, Jesse Williams, Lawrence Bender, also a producer on it. And the Academy liked it enough to nominate it for Best Live Action Short Film at this year's Academy Awards. And to be a producer with an Oscar-nominated film is maybe the wildest shit that I've been a part of yet. 
the level of which we have to execute, the level two, which uh, should I say, that we have to execute to get this movie even made, now to kind of have that whole thing, it's just been a crazy ride. So yesterday was a whirlwind for sure. I just want to say congratulations to you and you know the whole, the whole squad. That's 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 big and monumentous. Appreciate that, bro. Appreciate that for yeah. real. How long? How long does that take from inception to like to to final cut production type stuff? So Trayvon whipped up the script probably in about five or six days. The movie's twenty eight minutes long. Uh, so he ripped up with the script, and then from the other part of it is just. It's hard to say because there wasn't a Hollywood pre-production. The pre-production was, hey, let's ask everybody we know for money. And then, um, so we did that, I'd say maybe a month, because we didn't have very much time if we were going to make uh, the be able to submit, stuff like that. Then we shot for five days, we edited, we edited, you got to have a rough cut in, you got to do all that stuff. So I'd say probably all in all, a month, uh, a month from pre to, 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 to finishing it. But if you count the edits and the various sort of the tinkering with the film and stuff like that, it, it was longer. But probably a month, a month and a half, six weeks at the most. Nice. Now I, I always ask creatives this because I'm I'm a I'm a guy who believes in um certain principles, right? Uh-huh. And I know y'all made the film and you know y'all wanted to submit it, but are do did y'all make it with the intent of you know, looking for the accolades or was, was it about just about the art, the moment, the story, you know, those things that you described earlier? Uh, good question. Um, I'd be lying if we didn't, if I didn't say we didn't think about what could come of the movie. That just wouldn't be true. But what I will say is that the genesis of the film was as pure as I can think of anything that's happened in my life. So so I'll tell you the way that went, because both the answer is yes and yes. So Trayvon's telling me one day, uh, he, go, he goes, because we're thinking about ideas we're going to do for our first company. He goes, I keep thinking about this idea about a black guy caught in the Groundhog's Day loop where he's continuously killed by the police in all the different ways that we've seen. And, and like what people kind of said was, we have to do that right now. And then the end of that is, that could get us to the academy. It wasn't what we set out to do, but we thought that, I thought personally, that the idea itself was good enough to cut through some of the other things that were happening, you know. Uh, But the real answer to that question is no, nobody was thinking about winning anything or Trayvon wasn't thinking about winning anything when he had the idea. I mean, we were literally out on the streets of LA walking around and marching and, and being pissed off and crying and out there in the heat, risking getting COVID and all of that stuff. So it wasn't made for the accolades, but once we started going, we definitely, definitely put that in our sights for sure. Yeah, I'm, I, it's, it's just always, I, I have a saying, art or algorithm. And, you know, art can become algorithm, but algorithm can't become art. And, mm. and you know, so, and, I just apply that to to all facets of creativity. So I always ask people, and and for the record, people, there's no wrong answer here. Okay, uh, if you if right. you want to go algorithm, go algorithm. You know, if that's if that's what you do, that's what you're chasing. But if you want to go art, go art. And um, you know, so it's it's just always a question of mine for for people that create on whatever medium. Yeah, it's just it just doesn't make any sense, really, 
it doesn't make any sense to try to craft something specifically for any one group of people. Um, and that, that, that even includes the academy because, well, especially the academy, number one, because you don't really know them. They're like faceless and nameless voters who have, you know, humbled us with a huge honor. But I think if you made something specifically for them, they would be able to sniff that out. Um, and I think it was the case with, you know, maybe some other people that they probably did. But I, I think that what everyone wants to feel from something creative is an actual real uh, statement or uh, even at least the attempt to contextualize a moment. And I think that's what people want. I think that's what we tried to do. Um, and it seems to be going pretty good like as of right now. Van you and Jamel wrapped up the deep dive into the wire. Love that show. Have you talked about doing another one? And if so, if so what show is next on the agenda? So I would want to do The Sopranos, okay? I love The Sopranos. I, I argue this. The Wire is the best show of all time. The Sopranos is the most, is the most entertaining, all right? I think that The, uh, the Sopranos is, and uh, you know, here's the thing about that. I would love to do the show, but it's hard to do a show like that because The Sopranos is so culturally divergent from my experience. <laughs> that sometimes when you watch these shows, you know, you look at it different now. And I was watching The Godfather not too long ago, and I feel like one of the five most racist scenes in movie history takes place in The Godfather. And we talk about it, but we don't really talk about it enough. They're talking about who they're going to deal the dope to. Think about this. Think about who they're going to deal the dope to. It's like, listen, they're going to get involved in selling dope. You can't stop them from selling dope. Oh, these people. But I'd say we control the sale of the dope. And we sell it only in the Black and the Spanish neighborhoods. They're animals anyway, so let them lose their souls. Damn! Now, I've been watching that movie for a long time, and I know that that line is sitting there. And I'm like... Fuck, you know, you like, you like, you know what I mean? Like that's not like that's not like, hey, a Quentin Tarantino movie where they're throwing the N word around and they're just trying to be cool and you know that slap your face type of uh, shitty grand white boy shit. It's not like that. It's like this is a deeply pointed, racist, dehumanizing sentiment made seriously, not from not from Vito Corleone, but from somebody that's sitting at the five families table. And so sometimes when you're doing The Sopranos, like, you know, these guys have their own culture and you run into stuff like that. And because it's not tangential, like it is in The Wire, where all of this stuff kind of happens, there's like a, there's racism and stuff like that in The Wire, but The Wire really isn't, it's the, it's unique that it's the most raceless racial show that's ever existed. All of the situations and the circumstances that exist in the wire have to do with socioeconomics, but they act like they don't get that because all the cops together are blue and not black. All the dope dealers together, it's about money and not really about race. So those type of identity politics almost don't exist in the show until they're being exploited, right? But in The Sopranos, they're very clear. 
like it's not just the fact that they're mafioso, it's the fact that they represent a specific culture and that culture exudes power over everyone else. So sometimes I wonder if the audience is, uh, is gonna hold us to a too high of a standard for calling out all of the things that we might see wrong and judging the show with a, with a 2021 lens when it was made you know, my freshman year in college. So it would be fun to do, but I don't know if it, if 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 we'll get a chance to do it. Fun fact, I have never seen one episode of The Sopranos. You don't like it, why not? I don't know if I like it or not. I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've never indulged. I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> it's really a good show. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard. I've just never, what about, uh? Do, do well, I know you watch it. I, you got to watch it. What about, uh? Y'all taking the dive at uh, Snowfall? Love Snowfall. I'm behind, but I got to get caught up. I, it's it's funny you said that I didn't realize this. You know, the main character, you see this, he got his, uh, it, he's English, right? Yeah, and, dancing, doing well. And WC, Doug C, was his voice coach. His dialect coach. Yeah, I, yeah, I actually had to get started on that. I ran into, uh, WC, um, this was a few years ago when J. Cole did uh um uh God the is the forum in Inglewood, the forum. Yeah, uh when he did he did the two shows at the forum and WC came to one of the shows and I was I was out there and we was talking because I, I had met uh WC in Germany of all places, uh <laughs> him in Ice Cube, but we, we were just talking and he was talking about the show. This was during the first season of Snow. Okay. And it was like they were probably only like two or three episodes in. And so he was telling me, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the movie. I'm the, I'm the dialect coach for the main character. You got to keep watching. There's going to be some real stuff coming down. They're going to steal the stuff. Dude, he going to pound it. Like he was just describing. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This this on FX. We talk about the same show here. And just to go from that conversation to now we're in season four of the show, just how it's slowly built up or steadily built up, I'll say. Fantastic, great show. Like it does even had a, a, a part in um yeah, yeah, he was in it. Yeah, he had a small part in, in the show. Uh I can't remember, I think it was season two. I think it was season two. I can't remember what season it was, but he had a small part in there when uh Franklin went to went to jail. It was in jail. That was tough for Franklin. Tough for Franklin <laughs> to go through jail. That was his becoming a man moment. Becoming yeah. a man in the game moment. Yeah, like you have to, to get down for his. Like, uh, yeah. you got, got that pep talk from Leon. Um, but I, I love that show, man. And like, I love, I love Snowfall. It's, uh, it's, it, it's, it's good. I wanted to pick up this season, you know. It needs to pick up just a little bit this season, but I, I'm really digging it. Yeah, I just I just re I just binge watched the whole thing again and right. finally I'm I'm like on episode three of this current season. And I agree with you. I, I'm I, I can see what it's like they're setting things up for right. a big big to do later on down the line. But yeah, so you can see it, but you definitely want more want more action. For sure. <laughs> Way more action. What do y'all think about these gloves? Like gloves like this. I just found this glove on my desk for some reason. Is that a copper fit glove? Yeah, it's like it's like one of those gloves like that you lift weights with, but it kind of looks kind of fly a little bit. And from the remember niggas in the eighties used to no. Okay, I, I, I would I would go as far as to say it was fly. Right. Nah, it's definitely not fly, and it's definitely not a good weightlifting glove. <laughs> it's definitely not. 
But look, <laughs> I just watched New Jack City and Nino Brown had this on it there. Remember at the beginning? There was... No, yeah. okay. okay. I, no, no, I'm trying to think. Like, I mean, I remember the movie. I don't remember him having that glove on, but I remember yeah. the movie. They yeah, were the playing. Movie. They were playing hoop and hard bottoms, man. You can't forget that, man. They were, it's slacks and hard bottoms. They were out there on the hard top. Ankles gone. Plantar <laughs> fasciitis. All of that stuff. Like inflamed immediately. Inflamed. Gone. And and hooping hard too. Long hard. Hard. Like filing. All that. Like going to the lane. It was amazing. <laughs> I to this day, I don't. I don't get it. I don't. I don't get it. Van, what, what else do you cover over at the Ringer, man? I know you're the man of many talents. Like, oh man, uh, yeah. So I do the Society and Culture Podcast, Higher Learning with Rachel Lindsay. Um, the Ringer has really allowed me to kind of talk about some of these comics, comic book stuff, this nerd stuff, this fandom stuff that really was a staple of my youth. And always keeping my eye on what's going on uh, socially, you know, uh, how America is reconciling its past, how America is building its, building its future, what we are as citizens are asking of our society and how our society is responding to those asks, you know? Uh, I felt like when I, coming from TMZ, I had to sort of, uh, the Kanye thing at TMZ was like a job application for me. It was like a resume. It was like people had to say, okay, there's something that comes out of that place that's more serious than what we think it is. And so I think since then, it's really afforded me the ability to explore different aspects of, you know, my experience and connect with people. And so I'm really getting the opportunity to do that in the ringer uh, at the ringer. And I'm really getting the opportunity, opportunity to do that in my creative work and podcasting, as you guys know, is just a great platform and a great forum to go into long form about uh, what you see both right and wrong with the world. And, there's a lot on both sides. I know it seems like everything that's going on in the world right now is actually what's wrong with the world, but a lot of people still need their flowers. Yeah, I was. Did you I was, consider doing your own thing, just branching off and doing your own thing before you got with the ringer? Uh yes. Um, I did. Uh, I actually look at the ringer as me branching off and doing my own thing, just because the only reason why I feel that I'm still with a big company. The Ringer and Spotify, but at TMZ, everything that you did was almost like being behind the paywall because like everything that you did came under the guise of the brand. So we had a sports show. It wasn't, hey, Van and Evan talk sports and Michael Babcock. It was TMZ sports. And you go do this, it's TMZ this, it's TMZ that. And it was all branded and there was a connotation that came with that. And I don't know how everybody else was, but I just grew out of that. You know, like I just, I, I grew, you know, I grew out of that shit. So <laughs> I definitely want to, want to go somewhere else and, and be able to kind of show that, demonstrate that, you know. As I was going to say, that was that Kanye moment for you felt to me like probably the biggest pivot, you know, in, in a person's career, you know, for something to come about of that nature. And it just, it happens and then it launches you you know, somewhere totally different. Obviously somewhere, you know, you wanted to go somewhere else with it anyway, but it it, it just felt like that moment happened specifically for that purpose, even though it wasn't for that purpose. It's weird because I remember I came to TMZ and I started doing the tour. I was, I was a tour guide 
if it ever happened to me, it was a TMZ tour that goes around LA and I was a tour guy, wacky, crazy. Hey, look at me. And um, I was good on the tour and I was, and within a couple of months of doing the tour, they put me on a TV show. And then under a couple of months of being on a TV show, maybe like six months or something like that, Harvey's like, well, let's do a show. Let's give you your own show. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, let's give you your own show. So they came up with this whole game show that they wanted me to host. Uh, and it was going to be based around the tour and all of that stuff like that. And so there was that. And then there was TMZ Sports, which me and Evan went to go do. Evan Rosenblum, who's still over at TMZ. It was TMZ Sports that we went to go do where they put me on that. I was hosting that show, was doing that. So there were several different things that they had purposely tried to do to break me out. Right. Like to say, hey, give me a different platform, which I'm grateful for, to be honest with you. Hey, this is Van doing this. This is Van doing that. This is Van doing this. I didn't even know Ye was coming to the office until five minutes before he walked in the door. Like of all the stuff that they that we tried, it wasn't like this stuff wasn't working. I was everywhere. By the time that point happened, I was on all three shows, TMZ, TNZ Live, TNZ Sports. Um I was doing live hits all day long. So when somebody pops up and he goes, hey, this is the TMZ News from Violence. We're going to check in with Van Lathan. It was, it was me. Five, six live hits all day long. They were getting as much use out of me as they can. And he walked in and uh, like literally before he came, Harvey goes, hey, talk to you for a second. He's like, yeah, we didn't tell you because, you know, it just, we didn't want to, we didn't know whether or not it was actually, but in about five or 10 minutes, Kanye West is going to be here. I was like, what? He was like, yeah, Kanye West is going to be in the office. And my first question was, why? And they were like, well, you know, he wanted, he, like Harvey had gone to Calabasas. Kanye wanted to come to TMZ and talk. I thought this was so much bullshit. Get back to my, um, get back to my desk. I'm actually watching. Yeah, he talked to my man, Charlemagne. And he walks in the door. And I was, at this point, I was so disillusioned with him that I was trying not to pay attention. Like literally, I had my headphones on and I, was, I wasn't even listening to the actual feed or I might've been, I can't remember, but I was watching Charlemagne's interview and Ye said the slavery thing and I didn't say anything. People think that I reacted to that comment. I didn't react to that comment. He said that comment and I just clutched pearls like everybody like, what the, you know what I mean? Because my mic was off. He got up and asked like, like, does it feel like I'm speaking freely? He posed a question to the whole room, which invited a response from me. And that's kind of how it happened. But that, and it's so weird, it goes back to what you were saying before. Despite what people think, that is legitimately the least contrived moment of my television career. The least contrived moment of my media career. That's the one time I did not have time to think what I was going to say. I did not have time to apply it out. I didn't think about what the what it was. I didn't think about who was trying to hear me. I didn't think about who I was trying to help. I didn't think about anything. I just like simply reacted. So of all the times that things have been sort of tried, and they worked, but the thing that really worked was just being who you are. And you just, you cannot convince people that that'll actually ever work. It's hard. Like you can't convince people that that'll be the thing that works for them. 
but that's what worked for me, you know? Um, and that's, that's kind of the thing. It was kind of like, then after that, people just came, people want, then after that, of course, after that happens, then people want you to be something. And you're like, you, you know what I mean? Like I, I posted something about, uh, I posted something about, you know, my love of brassers uh, and, and Pornhub. <laughs> and, 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 and people go, yo, man, you a voice for the community now. You can't <laughs> post this shit. I'm like, hey, dog, I'm letting you know, man. Like as soon as Kalika leave, so I don't know what to tell you. Like it is so like this is just this is just who I am. So I'm not one thing. I what was it in that moment? I mean, I, I don't want to ask specifics, but in that moment, like what for I know a lot of people say, oh, I would have did XYZ ABC or whatever, but nobody ever really knows what they're gonna do in in sure. you know, in a moment such as that. Like, so for you personally like in that moment did you have i mean i know he invited you know commentary but was there a moment in your mind where you was like nah i'm just not gonna say anything or or and when you ready? did is the rest of the room looking at you like oh my god can i believe this guy just yeah that? like well see you, here's a here's oh i'm sorry no 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 go ahead no so here's the thing with that i was used to that so another thing is sometimes opportunities come when they come right had that happened like my first year uh, at TNZ or my second year, I probably wouldn't have said anything just because, or I, probably, I definitely would have said something, but it wouldn't have been, uh, it wouldn't have come out right just because I wasn't, I was still getting used to the platform. But by, by that point, uh, by that point, it it was, I was used to being the only voice in a room full of people going, what is it that he's saying? Because nobody else from there was sort of, they didn't represent the same community that I did. My takes, and everybody in there is kind of used to that because everybody's individuals in there. So I was used to saying, I, I would say stuff and it would be funny and people would laugh all the time. But I was also used to saying stuff to where the entire room would be like uncomfortable. Mm. So that feeling, I wasn't even fucking thinking about them. Like they, the fact that like that office was mine playground that like that was mine then was my people like then was like all of those people they know what time it is with me like so i wouldn't even the fact i wasn't even thinking about them i had no thoughts about i didn't even i didn't see anybody except for kanye like no one i didn't think that it was super quiet in there or anything like that it's always super quiet to a degree when we're taping tmz live i didn't i didn't i wasn't thinking of any of that stuff it wasn't until i was just emoting Right. It wasn't until after that people started walking by my desk and going, oh, my God, like Van, like, I can't believe. And people would hit me up on Slack. Like, Jesus Christ, I can't believe that is so amazing that you about because because look, if you go back and watch the video. There were people in the room that were agreeing with him. Like he goes, does it feel like I'm thinking freely? And there are people that are going. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Raise your hand. And there were some people that were like, yeah, raise your hand. I'm like, it don't feel like you thinking shit. Y'all, do you hear yourself? Like, no, like seriously. And so that was that kind of whole thing with that. Like, I didn't, as far as what they were thinking, if I had time to think about it, I probably wouldn't, everybody says, if I had time to think about it, I probably wouldn't have done it. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. I'm so appalled. I have to say something. <laughs> yeah, but he was wild, and, and there was stuff they cut out. I believe right. it. Yeah, and, and so and and he was he, he was wild. There was there was look, I, stuff. That, I, I haven't been around this version of Kanye, but I've been around Kanye. So oh I yeah, see, yeah, that was <laughs> my first time. Stuff out. That was my first time meeting him. Uh, and I wouldn't say that I know him now, but we've exchanged stuff. Like I got no, I got no qualms with Kanye. I think Kanye has showed everybody who, who he is and what he believes. And now it's on you. You, you, right. you know, you, you know what I mean. I, I don't have anything negative to say about Kanye West. I don't hate Kanye West or anything like that. It's not the same as it was for me. The music was super important to me at one time, like ridiculously, almost cult-like level importance to me at, at one time. Like I didn't believe in. I didn't believe in this is the first time it's ever happened to me with the artist. I didn't believe in college dropout or late registration or graduation or my beautiful dark twisted fan. I didn't believe in that. I believed in Kanye West, mm. the human person. Like I believed in the human person of Kanye West. I thought he was a cultural weapon against the status quo. And so to, to for him to become that, yikes. This is life. But that, that's another uh, another interesting question I have for you. Can you separate the artist from the person? Can you personally do that? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes and no. I can separate the old artist from the person. The new stuff is harder because it's coming from the same brain. So it's like going back and listening to the yay that he was in 2000, 2005, well, not 2000, but in like 2003, 2005, 2010, 2011, whoever. I have no problem listening to that guy because I know who that guy was and what he believed or what he, or what he stood for. You see, listening to the yay because, you know, I tried it. You know, yay was on Daytona and yay's like, uh, yay's on uh, what would, uh, what's the song? What would Meek do? What would Meek do? Yeah, Ye's on what me do a hard ass record, by the way. Yeah, is on what me do, and he says, Well, MAGA hats let me slide through the drive-through. And I'm like, I'm not fuck, I'm not about to do that. Like, I'm not, I, I can't, I'm not doing that. You know, it's like it, it I'm not, yeah, I, that that's I don't have to do that. I number one, I could go listen to old Kanye if I want to listen to Ye. And number two, it's too many people out here rapping, rapping about not being Trump supporters or rapping about not being whatever that I don't, I don't got to do that. And that's nothing. If you want to, I have, I'm not calling to cancel nobody. Listen to whatever you want to listen to, like support whoever you want to do, but I'm saying that triggers me. So why would I do that for fun? I'm listening to this for fun. Yeah, so, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be traumatized when I'm. Yeah, just, just, supposed, just for, supposed to be for, having a good time. Yeah, just for, just for, for kicks, and that makes me a snowflake or whatever. That's cool, but I'm also not just gonna go outside and wear a sign that says, "Hey guys, come over here and just kick me in my nuts." This is how I'm gonna spend a Friday afternoon. I'm not doing that. You know. Yeah, I, I, I always find it interesting. A, a lot of people like find it hard, not just with Yay, but with just different people in in general, different artists in general find it hard separating the art from the person and, and you know that that's well, we I already mean. do right so to we do point. well well I, I would say the most of most of us do what i would what i would ask people is you know especially not um i mean i can't say this from have, the way i grew up in Baton Rouge, but i ask people like how many drug dealers do you really know like how many guys do you hang around in your daily life 
that that deal crack, that sell crack. Like how many guys do you really do that, right? For most people, not a lot. But you listen to music and worship worship people that talk about selling crack all the time. And what we basically say is, hey, they're talking about something that we don't particularly agree with. We know it's harmful. And we don't hang around people like this in our real life. But the reality is that the music is jamming. I'm separating the what's being said from the guy who's saying it, right? And I'm listening to it anyway, because I don't do this in my real life. But there are certain things that we're not willing to do that with. And I think everybody has a right to define what those things are. Like, like all of that stuff, a lot of this shit that we're talking about, I'm not about to start criticizing rap lyrics because... I listen to the ratchet of the most fucking fucked up shit. And that's the shit I like the most. That, that's what I like. Put on Kodak. That's what I'm talking. I'm from the South. Like I want to hear that crazy, put on Pooh Shiesty and Wapo and all those people. That's what I want to hear, right? That's kind of what, what raised me. But um, at the same time, we already doing that. We just not doing that for people who are espousing a political belief that then manifests into real action. Like that's people are allowed to draw that line, you know. Interesting. Well, look, man, we done we done held you for almost an hour, man. I, oh. I can't I can't thank you enough mm-hmm. for uh, coming on our our podcast, man. Uh, let the people know where they can find you and what you got coming up next. At Van Lathan on Instagram and Twitter, the movie is Two Distant Strangers, uh, Academy Award nominated. Best live action short film. We have The Ringer verse coming out where I'm going to be talking all things nerd and fandom with The Ringer. And also, um, we got G Lane stories dropping in November, my debut, uh, my debut album, uh, <laughs> rapping. G Lane stories. Uh, yeah. So I got, uh, we got, I got some tracks recorded. I think I got, uh, who I got on the record right now? I got, uh, I got three beats from Take Keith. I got, uh, Giveon on the album. I got uh, JID on the album. I got a bunch of different people on the album. I'm trying to get Earth Gang. Like I just sent a verse out. Game might drop something. So we got that coming out. And by the way, anybody who believes right now that I'm putting out a rap album, you're fucking out of your mind. It's not happening. I'm like, I'm just joking. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm hold, just, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This interview ain't over. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta rewind. We gotta go some more questions. I see Princess. I was like, oh, I was formulating so many questions right there. Like, hold on, hold on, hold up. How how did this get held to the end? Very believe. But but see, but see, he got me because when we were DMing each other, he said, "I want to come on your pod, but I want to battle." Battle you. I said, what, what type of battle are we talking about? Uh, and, exactly. he just, and he just laughed. That's how you know I get no respect as an MC. He was like, because like it would be normally if somebody tells Pooh they want to battle him, he goes, oh shit, you don't want the problems. But he he was like, battle how? Like, I know you ain't talking about raps. I just want to know. We doing trivia. You know what I'm saying? We doing recipes. Like, what we doing? <laughs> what, what we battle? Certainly so, freestyle. Right, exactly. Man, but, Thank you once again, Van Man. man. We appreciate, appreciate it, man. man. You have a good have a good rest of your day. All right, you Thanks, too, man. All right. All right. Peace, bro. Peace. That was interesting. <laughs>